0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. will get the ball to McClendon. He oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football.
0: Spot, kick away, high it up, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has
1: won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Burke. Good gosh This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to take a look back at the first day of fall camp for the 2023 Tar Heels. And to do just that, we bring in a guest, a man that we have had on a few times now. And uh, I got to tell you, I've had a pretty good amount of guests on the podcast at this point. But this guy is one of my favorites. And today, he showed exactly why. His coverage of Carolina football uh, is one of the best out there. Carolina sports in general, one of the best out there. It's Michael Coe from WCHL and Chapelboro. Uh, he is with us here. And uh, Michael, how's it going, man? I know it's uh, it's got to be a good feeling to finally get to fall camp. You know, this Tar Heel football season, I don't think it come fast enough with how poorly the team finished last season. I feel like you know, there's some people that are excited for sure because you got Drake May back. The team did win nine games, but there is some reservations because of how the team finished last season. So finally, we're to the point where we can stop talking about those storylines and start to focus with uh, about what's on the field.
0: Yeah, yeah. First of all, Anthony, thank you for having me. I feel like you put me under a lot of pressure with that, uh, with that introduction. But um, yeah, like you said, it was just nice to see the guys on the field again doing something official you know there's no more talk we can actually see guys you know not tackle because they weren't in pads but actually do football things instead of just talking about football things we saw Drake May in a football uh, uniform instead of a suit Um, so yeah definitely I think a, a lot to be excited about but as you said some reservations as well not only are they coming off that four game losing streak to end last season but their for, first four games of this coming season are no joke. And Mac Brown has said, he said today, that they are treating this like a four-game season. Then they'll have the bye week, and then they'll reset and get ready for the final eight games of the regular season and whatever uh, comes beyond that. But the first four games are, are really going to be the litmus test for this team. South Carolina, App State, uh, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh on the road. Uh, Those are some tough matchups, three power five teams and a team that beat you in your stadium just a few years ago. So no, no uh, easy, easy games in that stretch at all.
1: Yeah. And look, Max said today, we're not really focused on that South Carolina game just yet. We're kind of focused on ourselves. And look, tutorials have to be. There are still a lot of questions about this team just in general. Um, You know, I want to start with the trenches, because I think that's probably the most interesting aspect of this team. I think in order for Carolina to have any sort of success this season, they really need both of the units up front to be a lot better than they were really. I mean, on the offensive line, it's about consistency on the defensive line. It's frankly just about being a a better unit. Um, But I, I think, you know, from, judging the the responses that I heard from within the program during the spring, you know, they feel pretty encouraged by what they've seen from the offensive line, the defensive line, they could take it or leave it. But, um, you know, the offensive line, you know, first of all, what did you think of that unit today? I know you didn't get a a ton of 11 on 11, um, but, you know, the thing that stood out to me when you tweeted out, you know, what the uh, blue team group looked like, is that there's no Ed Montalis in that group. Jonathan Adorno appears to have taken over one of the starting roles there. What do you think about that offensive line unit, though, as a
0: whole? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. You have to remember that this is an offensive line that's going through its third position coach in three seasons. Uh, You had Bicknell last year and now Randy Clements this year. Um, And so there's just a lot up in the air with that group, as you mentioned. I I feel like we'll still see some changes to the blue team before – you know, the season is out. Uh, But for it to be John Adorno, Gaynor, Rolland, William Barnes, and then Willie Lampkin, who I was actually surprised to see with the blue team, because he's coming in from a group of five team in Coastal Carolina and they clearly feel good enough about him to run him out there to protect Drake May. Uh, That is really going to be an interesting group for me to watch. I did notice in the limited 11 on 11 action that Uh, They were going through that the defensive line was getting some good penetration. I don't know if that's more of a statement about the offensive line or the defensive line. It's too early to tell because it's still August 2nd. Uh, But if you say, well, the offensive line is doing okay, maybe it's the defensive line that has really improved. Uh, I I think there's still a lot up in the air with that group. I know a lot of people want to see Zach Rice, the five-star recruit out there, but you have to remember Zach Rice is still only 19 years old and he's competing For those positions against guys who are 22 and 23 and if he's going to play offensive line he's going to be blocking defensive linemen that are 22 and 23 and he is going to have to protect carolina's million dollar quarterback in drake may and that is a lot of pressure for a 19 year old kid who has not started a college game yet so i i think for people asking about zach i think just just give it time offensive line is a position where you really have to do some grunt work to get on the field because there is such a leap from high school football to college football and then such a leap from college football to the NFL. So just patience. Patience with Zach.
1: Well the the thing is is we we've talked about this before here on this podcast, me and some of my other co-hosts. If a guy as a true freshman is seeing the field on your offensive or defensive line. It's one of two things: either he is an elite level prospect, and you better prepare yourself after his junior year the dude ain't gonna be there, or right. your your units are not that good, right? And you're right. having to force guys in. Um, the thing with Zach Rice, too, like I I don't know, you know, i mentioned it a, a time or two before on here on the podcast. I've written about it a little bit on the website. You know, back in the spring, Mac Brown told us that they moved Zach Rice to offensive guard, so. Where he was at at high school, his body style, to me, really fit well at offensive tackle. Now, clearly, the staff sees a reason to move him into guard. But in order to do that, you have to change the body style. He has to play a little bit more physically because he's going up against bigger guys. So I, there's a lot of things that sort of go into that. And that's why it's going to take him a little bit of time to develop. I don't think people should be freaking out. Um the thing I like though, Zach, is is uh, oh, Zach, geez. The thing I like, <laughs> oh Michael, is um, you know, I, I I was encouraged by the by the fact that when asked about Diego Pounds, Mac was, you know, very encouraged. You know, with what he said, he was he sounded very encouraging about him potentially taking a step forward. And he also seemed pretty, you know, high on, on Trevion Green as well. I know there's this focus on trying to develop depth for that unit. I I mean, is it weird that I feel like this might be their year they finally have it? I know he he said, look, we've been saying that for years and it hasn't happened. But I really do think that this could be the year because you've got some guys that are still young, but they've got a little bit of experience under their belt.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that's smart. I was noticing Trevion Green. First of all, the dude is just enormous. He You, you can see him whenever he's on the field. He is a large human being. And uh, Diego Pounds, yeah, Mac being complimentary of him is a good sign. And then you have just the pure raw talent of a guy like Zach Rice just kind of standing around riding the bench. It is probably the deepest they have been. And, you know, now saying that, a bunch of guys are going to go down with injuries before they even take the field in Charlotte next month. Oh, um, oh, no. Yeah, I, I hope I didn't just speak that into existence. But, um, yeah, I, I think you may finally be starting to see the recruiting come to fruition. I know offensive line is kind of a tough position to scout because, like I said before, the leap from high school to college football is just gigantic. So a lot of times guys just don't pan out or they get or they get hurt and they realize, you know, maybe Division one football is not for me. that it has happened before. Um. But, yeah, I think there there are some good signs. Now, again, they have just been playing a, a few snaps of eleven on eleven for one practice, so you know we're not to put the cart before the horse or anything, but i I think there are some good signs.
1: Well, let's talk about the defensive line. You know, I thought the group that you said was running with the ones the most, uh, at least early on in in practice, i I, I thought was probably the best unit. Um, mm-hmm. just production wise. I, I like the mix. First of all, I, I've seen multiple people this, that this off season that have been putting Miles Murphy as a three technique. I think he fits, especially with his body style in the nose tackle spot. I love, mm-hmm. love the fact that Javari Ritzy is playing the three technique. Like when he was coming out of high school, I thought he was better in that type of role. I think he's got the quickness off the line of scrimmage to beat some of those slower interior offensive linemen off the snap. Um, and look, I, I bought into the comparison of him coming out um, from 24 seven sports to Jeffrey Simmons. If he could be that, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that'd be tremendous. And we saw signs of that last year, right? Like in the run game, I really liked what I saw from him. Um, So I, I I'm, I'm satisfied with that. You've got, Heyman Rucker at the starting jack position. How could you not be excited about that? He looks like he'll get his chance to start right out of the shoot um, for the first time in his career at a position that probably fits him pretty well. And then there's Des Evans. I know Evans you know, hasn't really been all that productive, but what, what do you think about that group that Carolina has up there? I know there's a couple of guys people are probably shocked not to see, especially Amari Gainer, the Florida mm-hmm. State transfer. But uh, I, I think that's a group that gives this team their best shot to start improving.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about just pure raw talent, you know, 24-7 stars or what have you, the defensive line is, is up there among the most, you know, loaded, stacked, whatever you want to call it, position groups in this team. And so that that's what makes it all the more baffling that they only sacked the quarterback 17 times in 14 games last season. I think yes. the good, the good thing with that group is there's almost, they almost can't get worse. They almost have to improve if the law of averages has anything to do with sports. Des Evans almost surely going to get more than zero sacks. I think we Cayman Rucker is set up to be one of the most effective and uh, influential players on the defense, if you will. Now it doesn't help that, Noah Taylor, who was looking like one of the best defenders on the team last year, blew out his knee halfway through the year, and that kind of you know spelled doom for Carolina for the rest of the season. But Mm -hmm. just pure talent-wise, I think Travis Shaw, I know a lot of fans want to see Travis Shaw, the former five-star recruit like Zach Rice, who was in that same class. I think the barrier for Travis is he has cut down on his weight. He's down from 375 to 340, still very large for a 19-year-old. I think what they need to work on is his fitness because Mac Brown was saying they want to get him to where he can play 10 plays at a time. And right now he's getting to about three before he you know, can't go on any longer. So I think that is certainly a barrier that he will have to get past and break through. But if he can start seeing the field regularly, then I think that takes Carolina's potential at D line to a whole new level.
1: I asked, you know, why he was a guy that, wasn't showing up. I mean, I know he was on the two deep. I, I would love to see him as the starting nose tackle. And mm-hmm. I think Mac Brown, you know, he, he, he answered that question today of look, he just doesn't have the salmon to be out there. And it, it got me thinking. And I wonder with, with Shaw, is he kind of like what we saw and, and, and I'm not, not comparing the talent. If he turns out to be this guy, great. Um, but is is he basically going to be what Jordan Davis was for Georgia a few years ago, oh. where he's he's like a situational guy in terms of because of his weight, like you can't keep him out there the whole game. It's You're going it. to have to have other guys that are maybe a little more athletic, but that might be what he ends up becoming. I feel like Toriel fans would probably feel frustrated of why are we not seeing this guy more on the field but it would really be about how impactful he is in those types of little plays. Do you see that maybe be a similar
0: ish role for him? Yeah, I, I think this season for sure. I mean, you have to get him on the field Summer He's going to transfer. That's just the reality of college football. Um, you know, plenty of schools, Clemson, Georgia would love to have him. Uh, I, I do think he could come. We saw him last year. He came in in some key downs against teams like Pitt uh, where Carolina really sort of turned the screws on the Panthers in the second half of that game. I, I think one of the reasons, again, that he's not seeing the field is that Miles Murphy is a really good player. He was second team all ACC just two seasons ago. So, you know, there is the fact that Travis is sitting behind some guys who have proven themselves on the field. Travis isn't quite at that level yet. But yeah, I, I do think that you could see him be a situational guy in more of an expanded role than last season, but still not yet being the starter.
1: The other position that I think has a lot of questions right now uh, coming off of last year, and that is the defensive backfield. You know, they let up just, uh, I mean, a ton of passing yards a year ago, the most that they have allowed since 2003. Um, So this is a unit that clearly needed a facelift. They went out and got a bunch of transfers that are coming in. Um, And, and now, you know, they look like a unit that I I don't know, you know, if, if, there's this much star power in the room. I've seen a lot of people that are very, very high nationally on what Tony Grimes and Storm Duck can be this year at A and M and Louisville, respectively. But I, I, for some reason, you know, you hear the guy that is being talked about the most, Michael, since you know the spring, is Elijah Hunsey. They have been talking mm-hmm. about this dude and raving about him. Mac Brown talked about him yet again today. He Said he had a one-handed interception at one point during, uh, d- during some of the drills. I-, I-, I mean, is this unit set up to potentially be better despite maybe not having the same amount of talent in the room?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll repeat what I said about the defensive line. There's almost no way they can get worse, right? So the <laughs> yeah. law of averages, they almost have to improve. And really, I mean, there's no excuse for them not to improve. They have almost they have two new starting cornerbacks, Marcus Allen and Elijah Huzzy, as you mentioned. I'm, I'm I'm right with you, Anthony. I, I'm really high on Elijah Hussey. I think he can be a difference maker. You know, you can say, well, he was only an All-American at the FCS level, but the interception numbers are what they are. Uh, if you're picking off that amount of passes, then you have to be at least a decent corner. Um, and you also have some guys at the safety spot, Stick Lane, the Georgia State transfer who Mac is very high on. You have guys like Teon Holloway, the redshirt freshman who Carolina is really high on. So a lot of new um, exciting fresh names. Marcus Allen made some good plays down the stretch of the season once he finally got on the field. Um, and then you look at uh, other defensive backs. Will Hardy was limit, is not uh, practicing right now due to a lower body injury, but he should be ready for the opener, according to a uh, spokesperson from the team. So a lot of good young talent and new talent uh, in that defensive backfield that I'm really excited to see go up against some really good offenses during this season.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there's still a, a lot of, you know, experience back there. Uh, when I was at media days, you know, I heard a lot of people talking about Geo Biggers,
0: mm-hmm. Don
1: Chapman. So, I mean, even those guys, I feel like they're expecting more from them this year. And I think part of that is just the understanding of Gene Chizik's scheme. You know, it feels like a lot of guys are talking about that on the defensive side of the football, that, that just a second year in this scheme and understanding, you know, from, from I think the coaching staff of what they needed to adjust from last year, I think it's making, you know, for a simpler defensive group, uh, you know, scheme this year. Um, one thing, you know, just off of going off of the first day of practice, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Mac Brown at media day said that he feels like this defense has a chance to be good this year. And I think a lot of Toriel fans, you know, along with people throughout the country, but especially Toriel fans probably rolled their eyes just a little (laughs) bit and said, really, are we saying this again? But I, you know, just from talking to a couple of people out there that, you know, follow the program and everything like that, they, they, they feel like, he actually really believes this this year. Some mm-hmm. of the other years, maybe he was just saying that when he was on the stand or, you know, maybe he was saying that with a, you know, a little bit of nervousness that he may actually be wrong. It feels like this year they could take that step. W- what do you think about that? Are you with him on that or no?
0: No, I mean, I, I think he has reason to be optimistic. Like you said, the second year under Gene Schizik. Uh, you know I don't care how good of a defensive coordinator you are when you come into a new program there are going to be growing pains and we saw that there were a heck of a lot of growing pains especially in the fourth quarter against App State you have a lot of guys returning Cedric Gray Power Eccles, who are really the heartbeat of the defense last season Cedric Gray one of the best linebackers in the country in my opinion and you have all this talent that we just talked about on the defensive line and in the defensive backfield I think it's probably the most top to bottom talented defense that Carolina has had since Mac Brown came back. And that's once again, the recruiting finally, you know, coming to fruition uh, or so it would seem. So I, I think there is reason for optimism. Uh, like I said before, but they're going to get tested early. Spencer Rattler can put up points as we saw. Uh, so it, it's put up or shut up time. Big prove of year for the Tar Heels
1: position that I just I, I, I can't believe that people nationally are, are not believing in this group and that's the wide receivers I, I'm absolutely stunned how the narrative has changed from when the transfer portal officially closed to where we sit now um, when they landed Tez Walker and Nate McCollum a lot of people really like those pickups
0: but mm-hmm.
1: now I'm, I'm hearing from a lot of you know, in local media here that's not necessarily Tar Heel focused and a lot of national people that they just they don't know what this group is going to look like they're worried about the position players around Drake May uh, and they think that they could be set up for another year like 2021 I mean yeah. I don't know about I, I don't know about you I find that absolutely ludicrous with the two guys that they brought in who I think have a chance to sort of elevate their game from what they were at their previous stops. And then I, I people to me are just sleeping way too much on, on Kobe Payson.
0: Yeah, I, I, th- I think, you know, if you're not covering the team, you know, 12 months out of the year and you see that, a highly touted UNC quarterback lost uh, his top two receivers and is, they're having to replace them in the spring then yeah I, I think it's easy to draw comparisons to 2021 but I agree with you and I think people are very much underrating guys like Pesor. Uh I, I can't say they're underrating Tez Walker because he was voted preseason first team all ACC which I was you know I'm high on Tez, but I was a little I was a little surprised about that considering he's not played a snap in the ACC but he looks very good Ah, uh, he has that combination of size and speed that just makes a wide receiver very hard to guard. He took a tunnel screen to the house uh, today in practice. Now, I know that the tackling was not allowed, but he would have gone he would have been gone even with tackling. Um, I think McCollum, he was a very good receiver at a program that is not exactly known for its uh, aerial attack, shall we say? And then okay. you have guys like Gavin Blackwell and JJ. Jones, who are good receivers in their own right, and showed flashes. Uh, in the last season. So yeah, I do think it is a good group. Maybe they won't have just the transcendent talent of a guy like Josh Downs, but I think they are solid and deeper than they were last season.
1: Well, yeah. So getting back to the first day of camp, what what did that wide receiver group look like? Because I know there are some questions about what exactly is going to happen. Tez Walker, Nate McCollum, they look like they're going to start but right. who do you, who's going to be that third receiver? Like today was, was it pay Who's out there? Or are they going to move him to the outside, which I think they have to at least experiment with because of how impactful it was, or are they looking at Gavin Blackwell and JJ Jones? as that guys out
0: there? Yeah, it, it was, it was a mix uh, of Blackwell and Paysor. So I think a little more of Blackwell, just because he can play that, that, that wider position Pesor is more of a slot guy. Um, and you, they have an excellent slot guy in McCollum right now, the transfer. So. Yeah, I think a little more of Blackwell, but Pesor, uh, he was seeing a decent amount of first team snaps. Drake May just overthrew him on a a go route uh, during the seven on seven drills. Mack Brown said, you know, Kobe, you know, we got to get him to hit you. And Kobe said, no, no, don't worry, he will. So there's that rapport and confidence between Pesor and Drake May that is very hard, uh, very hard to manufacture uh, between a quarterback and a wide receiver. Um a little less of JJ. Jones, not too much of Andre Green, which I was a little disappointed uh, to see because he had a really coming out party against Oregon in the bowl game last year. But I think that just speaks to how deep this room is. Andre Green is a very talented guy who made some really good plays in that game against Oregon, and he wasn't seeing snaps with the blue team at all. Um, so, yeah, I think they've just got a lot of dudes, and that's not something that you could always say about this group. And could you see one of them transfer out before week four? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one room that you've got to watch for potential transfer portal entrance. Um, but that's just the name of the game in college football right now. You'd rather have, you know, too much of something than not enough.
1: Well, and especially, you know, one guy that saw a few snaps, at least with the blue team, I know you tweeted this out. Um, they were, uh, Mac Brown was actually asked about it in the press conference too. Christian Hamilton Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we heard about him in the spring, he flashed a little bit, and he, he was out there apparently taking some reps uh, with the first team today.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was, I was very surprised and in, encouraged to see that. It's very much, like I said, a vote of confidence in a freshman to put him out there and say, hey, go catch some passes from Drake May. Um, they have a really exciting crop of young wide receivers, guys like Christian Hamilton, Paul Billups, Chris mm-hmm. Culliver from Maiden, North Carolina. Uh, Doc Chapman, not Don Chapman, the safety, safety, but Doc (laughs) Chapman, which I know won't confuse anybody this year. Um, So, yeah, some really exciting prospects that if they don't transfer out, that is a big if in the Mm -hmm. 2023. But if they don't transfer out once guys like McCollum and Tez Walker and Blackwell cycle through, then Carolina will be set for the next era.
1: Well, the other position that you know is, has some question marks at it, and these ones are probably a little more justified, is that running back position. And it's mm-hmm. really not because of a lack of talent. I think there's plenty of talent in that room, and we saw uh, the majority of it on display last year. It's what Mack Brown said today. The injury issues have really prevented them from finding any separation in that room. Uh, it's, you know, part of why they're going to probably, you know, stick with a lot more thud than full contact, which I mean, they do that anyways, it's it's very rare, you're trying to keep your guys healthy, you'll tackle in the scrimmages, but it's it's rare that you are, you know, going full go with full contact, there's also limitations uh, with, with that kind of stuff, but You know, when you look at this running back room and and creating separation, I mean, first of all, today, you know, who were the guys that were taking the first team rest? Like, I feel like, to me, Elijah Green and Amari and Hampton are the guys that have to be involved. But after that, I think there's a legitimate battle between the rest of the guys on the roster for who's going to be involved in that backfield.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Green and Hampton are very much 1A and 1B right now. They were the ones taking the majority of the snaps with Drake, with the blue team. But yeah, I mean, after that, it really is going to be a battle. I think that is another position room where you are almost surely going to see someone transfer before the end season deadline. Um, Because when you have three guys battling for two or maybe even potentially one spot as RB three, then there are going to be some hurt feelings. That's not a comment on, you know, anybody in that room. That's just how it is. And there are some talented guys in that room. British Brooks has, you know, slogged with this team through some very good years and some very, very bad years. And he had a really bad break last spring with, or excuse me, last fall with the uh, blown out knee in practice. So he probably feels like that he's earned the right to get some of those carries. You have George Petaway, who has some really, really top end talent that we saw early last year uh, that. You have to be afraid that if you don't get him enough snaps and he's going to transfer. Then, of course, Caleb Hood, who has shown flashes, but he can't stay on the field. So it's all of them have sort of a a different a different fly in the ointment, if you will. But all of them have that talent and have proved it on the field. So it could be a case of too many cooks in the kitchen. But again, some talent there. But I wouldn't be surprised if one of them or multiple of them transferred before the end of the year.
1: No, I I agree with you. And the concerning thing is, is that, you know, British Brooks, you've got the element of what he brings to special teams. He was the special teams captain um, for a a couple of years. You'd imagine he's going to assume that role again this year. Uh, And yeah, he's stuck with you. You then have the special teams angle for George Petaway. I mean, look at what he did last year down the stretch of the season as your kick returner. That was probably the best kick returner that Carolina's had since at least Anthony Ratliff-Williams. And right. with how consistent he was returning the ball, it might be since TJ Logan. Like this dude was <laughs> yeah. explosive. So, I mean, yeah, it's I, I gotta tell you, I do not envy Mac Brown right now trying to figure out that room. That room is gonna be extremely difficult. Now, the other room that people want to know this is because uh, again, ton of talent in this room. Uh, you got the trio of tight ends. You know, how are they sort of splitting things up with, with the tight ends, new tight end coach in, in Freddie Kitchens? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of talk that, you know, Bryson Nesbitt, clearly the best receiving option, getting a lot of buzz from NFL draft scouts. But John Copenhaver is the guy that people are really starting to get high on it. And, and they think he could play a lot this year.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, Anthony, I appreciate the Anthony Ratliff-Williams name drop. I think he's one of the the great forgotten players in Carolina football history just because the teams he played on were not very good. But he was still a very good player. Anyway, exactly. Loved back, him. Loved him. <laughs> Back to the tight end room. Um, yeah, I think it says a lot that John Copenhaver was chosen to speak for the team at ACC kickoff, along with established guys like Drake May and Cedric Gray. You know, th- there was a time last year whenever I saw Copenhaver on the field, it was almost like a novelty. It was like, oh, yeah, they, you know, they got him on the field. But l- later on down the season, you saw, no, wait, this guy is actually very, very good. And this is a tight end room that might be one of the best that Carolina's ever had, just from top to bottom of the death chart. Uh, Kamar Morales has proven to be a deadly asset in the red zone. He is almost surely going to get the first snap of the season with Drake May uh copenhaver as as we saw down the stretch of the year is a very capable tight end and then you have bryson nesbitt who's kind of like the, the this freak that nfl scouts are just you know salivating over he has that that rare size and speed combination that you see in tight ends like travis kelsey not saying that bryson nesbitt is the next travis kelsey i'm just saying i can see why scouts are excited about him okay um but we saw that Morales and Copenhaver today were taking most of the snaps with the blue team. Nesbit was taking some of the snaps uh, with the second team. Nesbit did have a couple of drops on some pretty easy throws from Connor Harrell that weren't weren't very nice to look at. I'll say that. Um, and Max said that Freddie Kitchens' mantra with this tight end group is, "If you can't block, you're not going to play." So it, it may be a comment that you know he more believes in Morales and Copenhaver as blockers than Nesbit. And when you look at their body types, I think it's easy to see why Morales and Copenhagen might be a little bit better, just natural blockers than a taller guy like Nesbitt.
1: Yeah. Well, the biggest thing that we sort of questioned high school level, you know, at South Mac, he, he was pretty much at it. It was encouraging. I mean, the thing is, like, we've seen, uh, you know, the, if, if you're big into pro football focus, they would tell you that Bryson Nesbitt is really good. Basketball. You know, he didn't get many opportunities last year, so I don't know how much you can really go off of that. I, I think, you know, the thing is, is that your comment right there, people might be saying, oh, my God, well, does that mean that Bryson Nesbitt's not really going to play? Look, they're going to find a way to get him on the field. Yes. I mean, he has towards receiving last year. That's the most by a tight end since Eric Ebron left campus. That's... Whether play it, you know, and throw the ball up to him in certain cases, he's going to play. So, um, I mean, it's just, to me, it's amazing. I agree with you. I think it, you... as talented as this. I mean, you go back, there are some really talented tight ends that have rolled through Chapel Hill, but I mean, you're talking about Kamari Morales in the room, 10 10- mm-hmm. receiving touchdowns. That's the most talented <laughs> Deems May, guys that were very highly regarded, that went on and had NFL careers at the position. But I mean, yeah, this group is, is special. Well, let's finish up with the guy that everybody clearly wants to know about. And I expect that, you know, he had himself a pretty good day. Mm-hmm. What, what did you see from the quarterback, Drake May, out there as he tries to, you know, bounce back from what we saw at the end of the season? A tough finish, but still a guy that's, you know, revered nationally and, and a lot of people think is going to be a horrible
0: yeah, I mean, w- whenever Drake May drops back to pass and you see the pocket kind of collapse around him, it's hard not to catch your breath, right? Because you're just afraid that, you know, something's going to happen. But uh, no, he, he looked confident. He was leading the drills. He was leading stretches. He did have a couple throws that he just missed on. He, he had a seam route to Kamari Morales that he just missed, the go route to Paisor that I mentioned that he just missed. Uh, but he looked like he had really good timing and chemistry with guys like Elijah Green, Amari on Hampton good to see him hook up with Tez Walker. Once again, Tez had a really nice catch against Allen uh, Marcus Allen, I should say down the sideline. And yeah, he has a very talented group of wide receivers around him. Uh, it was good to see a very, very solid cemented QB two in Connor Harrell. I think that was a question mark going into the spring that they really didn't know who was going to be the heir apparent to Drake if, and when he heads to the NFL after this season. So it's good to see Harrell, uh, firmly, firmly ensconced in the white team. Uh, so, yeah, I think obviously Drake May is, is who he is. He's a Heisman candidate, preseason ACC player of the year, last year's ACC player of the year. You know what you're going to expect. Uh, you know what you're going to get, I should say, from him. But mm-hmm. I was really interested to see Connor Harrell because we didn't get a, really a great look at him in the spring game because he was playing with the second team offensive line and was running for his life for the most part. Uh, but <laughs> He had some good throws. He did have, he did throw a pick in, uh, in seven on sevens, but you know, that's what you're going to, that's what you have to expect from your, your second string quarterback at this point in the fall. Um, but good to see that there is a solid backup for Drake instead of just some question marks floating around.
1: All right. The last thing I, 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 I always do this. I always say it's the last question and then one other one pops into, <laughs> into my head here. Um, what did you think about the overall just feel around the team? Because I, I the way that last year finished, it, it would be easy for, you know, guys to maybe be a little bit down on themselves. I mean, I know they've, they've had spring camps, you know, before this to sort of iron some of those things out. But what do you feel about, you know, the attitude around this team? Is there, you know, a chip on their shoulder to really bounce back from what we saw at the end of last year or, you know, is this a team that, you know, is, you know, feeling confident in where they're at? I
0: think, I think it's a little bit of both, Anthony. I think they're confident in the talent that they have in their position rooms. As I said, you know, with multiple position groups, top to bottom, it's one of the best, you know, talent wise that they've had in the Mac Brown era 2.0. But there is a little bit of that chip on the shoulder. Just look back at what uh, Cedric Grace said at the ACC kickoff. He said that, you know, he takes the comments calling, you know, UNC's defense, you know, bad, soft, all these things. As the leader and the captain of that defense, he takes that personally. And, you know, I don't know about you, Anthony, but I'm i not sure I'd want to, you know, I'm not sure I'd want you know, to sure personally insult someone like Cedric Gray. He looks like he could snap yeah. me in half just by looking at me. So I think you're going to see a defense that is going to play with, you know, some anger and and that chip on their shoulder from a really poor showing in 2022. And like I said, there's almost no way they can get worse. Um, so yeah, th- there is some confidence that they will bounce back, and they that there's that urgency that yeah, they may have to bounce back if there's any hope of any of them getting drafted into the NFL. I think that's a really underrated part of this that people aren't really talking about is that a lot of these guys they want to show some good tape to NFL scouts so they can get up into the early or middle rounds of the NFL draft. A guy like Cedric Gray, yeah, he led the ACC in tackles, but a lot of his highlights you're seeing. Guys score touchdowns on the Tar Heels, and that's going to drive a lot of scouts away from a guy who I think is actually a really good linebacker. So th- there is sort of that urgency. And like I said, it's a prove it year for Carolina.
1: Best way to put it. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, this team is set up for, you know, a little bit more success this season. Guys, he is as good as it gets covering the Tar Heel beat. The uh, sports writer and reporter for WCHL Chapelboro. Make sure you go and check out all of his stuff on his Twitter page uh, at Michael Coe, WCHL. That's K O H. Uh, make sure you check out all that stuff. Michael, you are the best, man. Anytime that we, we want you to come on, you're always there for us. You did a great job covering uh, camp uh day one and uh it's only the start man we appreciate you stopping by with us and we'll talk to you again soon all right man
0: yes sir man one month till charlotte can't wait
1: love it love it all right we'll talk to you then man
0: yeah see you then
1: so we want to thank michael co for stopping by here with us on this edition of the podcast guys if you're wanting to keep up as i mentioned with everything going on in camp He's your guy to follow. I know there are other Tar reporters that do an outstanding job on the beat, but Michael Coe is right up there at the top. So make sure that you guys are following him on social media, checking out all of his stuff over there on chapelboro.com. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Hey, guys, make sure you head over to the website, heeltoughlog.com. Got an article up there. Uh, that will go in depth on, you know, all the stuff we just talked about, Mac Brown's press conference, a quote, quotes and notes uh, article that will be released here just after I end up putting up this edition of the podcast. So make sure that you guys go and check that out. A uh, ton of, you know, great notes that we didn't even get to uh, here on this edition, as well as, uh, you know, some of the best quotes from Mac Brown. And he spoke with the media after the first practice concluded earlier today so make sure that you guys are checking that out Uh, also you know we are going to be you know looking also on the website 2025 Carolina off to a tremendous start in that recruiting cycle yesterday they landed three-star athlete Gus Ritchie make sure you go and check out our commitment breakdown for him Uh, find out what Carolina is getting in the guy that Played both sides of the ball last year, but maybe fits one side of the ball just a little bit better. Go find out which side of the ball we think that is uh, with his commitment article. And uh, Carolina, man, they are rolling two of the top players in the state already committed to their 2025 class. So a much better start in state for the Tar Heels than what they were dealing with in this past cycle. Also, uh, make sure that you guys are looking out We're going to have you covered when the commitment of 2024 four-star athlete Jonathan Paylor happens on Friday afternoon. We'll have a preview go up either tomorrow or Thursday morning. Uh, Really just depends on, you know, what type of intel is rolling in, how updated some of the predictions are, because that's a crucial one. That's one that uh, has really sort of changed over the past month, month and a half. Uh, Now is a three horse race. Carolina is in it. There's a push from some of the guys that are committed to the class to try to get Paylor in as the fourth receiver to commit to this class. So, you know, we'll see. Can Carolina get it done? Is NC State the team that really is primed uh, to come, you know, from behind and and pull off the upset? Or is South Carolina going to find a way to hold on to his uh, commitment after, uh, you know, having a huge lead in this recruitment? But, Uh, taking a turn here over the past couple of weeks. We're going to have you covered either way, uh, regardless of what happens uh, when that commitment goes down on Friday night at 6 p.m. from Cummings High School in Burlington, North Carolina. And in terms of the on-field stuff, guys, uh, we are exactly a month away from the season opener as we sit here on August 2nd. Uh, We're going to have you covered with that game, preview recap of that game, as well as every game throughout the season. And then, of course, you know, we'll have our normal staples leading up to the year, bold predictions, breakout candidates, and also we're going to continue our position previews. I know we got into those. We sort of got a stretch of, you know, recruiting stuff, uh, other on-field stuff, ACC media days, but I'm going to get back into that. Uh, I will tweet, you know, tweet out, Put a post on Facebook also, uh, sort of going back through the ones that we have already done, the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Make sure you guys, if you haven't checked those out already, go over to the website and check those out, and then we will start rolling back, starting with the offensive line, uh, as we get you ready for this upcoming season of Tar Heel football, one that uh, features the Tar Heels at a crossroads. Can they find a way to navigate it is the big question so once again that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast want to thank michael co for stopping by with us want to thank you guys for listening and as always go tar heels